From the Supper Club Dope and Demi, Sunday Roast brings you all the gossip on foodie news and our foodie views. Each episode will be serving up what we've been eating, reading and roasting. From our restaurant recommendations to the dishes we dump. Join Cara Davis and Alexanne Hucker for your end of week digest and a proper Sunday Roast. Let's start with a little introduction. Yes. So we are Dope and Demi. We are a supper club and bespoke events business. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. Well, we at least we were yeah. until we were. the pandemic hit. And now we are a podcast because if we can't serve food, we're going to serve you our opinions on food. Wow, that was wow. such a smooth little segue there. <laughs> Honestly, you hadn't even thought of I it could, before. I could see your eyes lighting up as you <laughs> realised your as own I realized genius. I'd made it, I'd made it, yeah. I'd made it. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be serving you a hot, hot plate of opinions. <laughs> <laughs> a hot plate of opinions and some sides. And some cold served revenge. <laughs> some cold served revenge. What on all the foods that have wronged us? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, yes, we are. Looking at you, Gammon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're gonna get. So you're going to get what we've been eating for the week. What we'd recommend. Maybe what we wouldn't recommend. Mm-hmm. Um. And then the news. Yep. So all foodie the news. Foodie news that we've heard over the past week. Things that we like. Things that we don't. Or even before that. Um. And then finally, you're going to get our roast. Uh, yep, our roast of the week. Our um, roast of the week. So Sunday roast is very much built on the sort of idea of an end of week chat, perhaps. Maybe with some wine. Definitely with some Definitely wine. Definitely with some wine. The, the two bottles of wine in our <laughs> near vicinity suggest, yeah. yes. There'll be some wine involved and we'll talk about the things that we love, the food that we love and the real, the one real thing that we think deserves a roast. Mm-hmm. So, Alexander, what have you been eating this week? This week, I've been to a Julis, which is an Eritrean restaurant. Ooh. Have you ever had Eritrean food? I actually haven't. No. Tell me what it's like. So, it's basically everything is served on and with um, this kind of big pancake bread, which is called injera. Okay. And we got what my friend Jake calls the Hungry Boy Special. <laughs> which I is, love that. Which is basically a bit of everything. So you have like almost, it's the size of like a dinner tray. And um, you've got the pancake on the bottom. Mm. And then you have like a portion of beef stew, slow-cooked chicken, dal, like a grilled fish curry. It's great because it was one of those dinners where you know sometimes when you're at a restaurant and mm. you get one dish and you get such dish envy yes or yes, like yes. you either make the wrong choice or you just just it doesn't hit the spot yes 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 but then you can't order like some places the plates are just not meant for ordering like a bunch of stuff a hundred percent or like and then you get the the thing that i hate the most which is when um you do an order and then as i had once the waitress turned to me and my friend helen and i went uh you've ordered way too much and we were like we have not. That's that's so <laughs> that's so rude. She was like, I think you've ordered way too much food. And Helen was like, No, we haven't. And I'm gonna get pudding. And she was like, Okay. And we literally ate it all. And at the end of the meal, she was like, Well, I can't believe you ate all that. We were like, 
It's Pad Choi, let me live. Oh my God. <laughs> what? Th- that's not a way to run service. No, but that's what I mean. Sometimes it's the problem with sharing plates. You're like constantly like... Yeah, there's there's always like the awkwardness of when you go to a restaurant and then you you order your sharing plates and then you look up at the waiter and you're like, is is, is that okay? Is there approval? Is that, is that all right? Is that, is that okay? enough? Is that Have too we much? done the right thing? And you're like... Argh. But yeah, no, so that is good. I like it where there's like lots of stuff. Yeah, I mean, it was the first time that I couldn't... I hate wasting food and it was the first time I haven't finished a dinner out in really honestly years I think yeah honestly I always finish a dinner out yeah but it was amazing and everything was just quite unique and mm. not flavors I tried before and then when you run out of you know, like your separate roll of Mm-mm. indera you just start eating the plate that sounds unbelievably great <laughs> I want to eat I mean, all things were served on an edible plate it's a bit it's almost like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory when you look around and everything mm. you can eat it all <laughs> starts hacking into the chair they're like no madam please please the furniture leave it L- leave it be <laughs> so yeah had dinner there and I was really impressed and then the other thing I made my my first soup of the year First soup of the year. Wow, what yep. was, what was it? Uh, it was a leek and butter bean with bacon. That sounds delicious. Was mm-hmm. it nice? It was. It was amazing. Was it a blended boy or was it a chunky boy? It was a blended boy. A blended boy. I, I started out with him as a chunky boy, but yeah. there was. It was just a bit too much going on. It was too chunky. It, it was, was almost like stew. Yeah, it was, it was very much like you know when you take a, a sip of something and you're like, these are ingredients. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like a, there's like a real line with soups between. A minestrone mm. and just things in broth. Yeah. <laughs> and, like you gotta, you gotta either chop small enough so you yeah, can, like, yeah. this is minestrone, or you're like, this is things in broth, and I need to blend this up. That sounds really good, though. Yep, first one of the season. I, yeah, I made my. I think I've made my first soup of the season recently. What did you go for? Uh, it was like a curried red lentil, sweet potato, and spinach soup. Oh, nice. And it started off as a curry. Mm-hmm. And then I forgot about it. <laughs> and was like, this is a bit mushy. The sweet potato had kind of just like lost all of its molecular integrity. Uh-huh. And it just turned to mush. And I was like, this is time to blend. So I blended <laughs> and made it into a blended boy. Nice. And then I was like, this is now sweet, which is great. Because then I was like, now I can eat this with an entire loaf of tiger bread and some salted butter. Ah, oh, uh, tiger bread is such a good shout. Which is like the only reason, like why else would you have soup? Yeah. If not to eat an entire loaf of bread and butter with yeah, it. Yeah, soup, soup is for bread. Uh, yeah, li- I, soup is, I think people eat soup. I don't think people ever really want soup. People want a warm dip for bread and butter. <laughs> correct. Like that's, that's what I want. Or an excuse to have a cheese toasty, but not just a cheese toasty. Also correct. Like tomato soup with a cheese toasty. Has anyone ever, question, has anyone ever eaten just soup by itself alone? I think it's the only, maybe miso soup. Miso or a cup of soup. <laughs> They're my own exceptions. Do you want, to no secret, I've never had a cup of soup. Never? No. No, I've never had a cup of soup. Oh, see, my, that was my classic, like if I'm stuck at work late and don't want to have dinner at work because depressing. Depressing. But also need, need to, to going. eat so I can finish it. A cup of soup. And whatever I could find rattling around. Okay, so that's so his first soup of the season. Yeah. That's big. Yeah, I did mine too. I've been really much embracing the autumn vegetables this week. Like, I made my first, like, casserole. Oh, Probably nice. of the season. I made a sausage casserole. That was delicious. That also had butter beans in. See, I, I think butter beans are the secret to keeping things creamy without dairy. 
I agree. I think they're good. Um, especially if you can like mush it up a little bit because then you get mm-hmm. the kind of stodginess. I made the best mash I've ever made. Oh, yeah? Okay. What, what's the secret? Mash secret. So, rather than boiling your potatoes, I cooked them as jacket potatoes. Interesting. So, gave them the full like hour and a half medium oven full jacket spud treatment. They got some time. They got some time. And then I took them out, split them in half, scooped out their like middles... And then mashed the jacket potato middles with cream and butter, salt and pepper and mustard. Oof. And it was so good because they have so much more flavour uh-huh. because they've been roasted. Baked, I suppose. But they've been like roasted rather than just boiled. Uh-huh. And they were so fluffy and smooth and just delicious. So that's the secret to a perfect mash. For me, that's my favourite mash. Yeah. Is a, is a jacket potato middle. Mm-hmm. It was really good. And then, of course, it means that you've got the skins. So while everything was finishing off, I just ate the skin like crisps. Nice, crispy skin. Just delicious, Ugh. really crispy skin. It was really good. So good. No, yeah. So I made my first casserole. Uh, I've eaten lots of like butternut squash and pumpkin recently. Mm-hmm. I, I actually, I peeled my first butternut squash ever this week. I've, <laughs> I've, never, I've never cooked one before. And I made so much dal <laughs> that I... <laughs> I considered like sending some out to people because <laughs> the quantity. Please, my doll. <laughs> like, I, I I got it a bit mixed up. So it said four hundred grams of butternut, butternut squash. squash, which I just assumed was one butternut. Like, all butternut squash weigh four hundred grams. Yeah, <laughs> I I just assumed like why would you be why would you ha- if you wanted less than a butternut you'd say half a butternut. Yeah, this is yeah. I mean, it's because butternut squashes, like all vegetables, Alexanne, <laughs> come in many shapes and sizes, just like us. Well, I, I found that out last Saturday about 10pm when I started cooking it and there was actually about two kilos of butternut squash in the dal, And I had to, and there was a lot of like <laughs> shimmying around and rethinking what was going on. How many days did you eat butternut squash? I'm still eating it. You're still eating it. Okay, yeah. Fair. So what's that? Six days. Six days. That's good. That's solid. Yeah. I think but it was very good in the end. So I, feel I, like, I haven't minded. No, I feel like dal has a tendency to do that though. It kind of yeah. grows. And you're like, I'm just gonna make enough dal for today and tomorrow. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh I could uh could feed the cast of Oliver with this amount of dal. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be a line of orphans here tapping their bowls and stamping their feet because I can feed them all. I really could. The famous line. All we ever get is dal. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's how it goes. I'm glad you knew that because (laughs) I have no idea what the song is from Oliver. And I was like, oh my God, I just show myself up as a nerd. (laughs) No, no, no. What's the play where it's food, glorious food? It's the same play. Okay, well, I... (laughs) That's the link. The The first song is All We Ever Get Is Gruel. Okay. And then it's food. They imagine food, glorious food. Okay. Is, the is there another song where like the, the mean guy is like having a go at them for wanting more food? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the mean guy. Um, like the mean head of the orphanage. Yeah. What's he, his name? I, Mr. Something beginning with B. It's that Mr. I don't know. He goes... More? Yeah. More? <laughs> I don't know any of the rest of it. <laughs> this is some real, like, the problem is by this point on Christmas Day when we watch Oliver, I'm normally smashed. So, <laughs> I don't know. You know. It's more. I'm like, yes, I will have another amaretto. Fine. <laughs> I don't know what the song is afterwards. No. 
it's probably just in the musical tapestry of my mind and my mind alone. Classic. <laughs> <laughs> that well-known musical. That well-known musical, Alexander's Mind. <laughs> oh, it's the symphony. Speaking of Christmas, I bought some Christmas chocolate this week because I am a firm believer in chocolate is always more fun in a shape. Oh, what did you go for? I got the Cadbury's Snowman with the orange mousse filling. Oh. And it was delicious. Oh, see, I feel very I feel very disloyal moving away from anything chocolate orange that isn't a chocolate Terry's. orange. Yeah. yeah. I've seen other brands are available. <laughs> I mean, they're not famously Terry. <laughs> only person that's ever made a chocolate into an orange is Terry's chocolate orange. Oh yeah. Can you imagine if someone did like a knockoff chocolate orange? <laughs> It was like a chocolate guava. <laughs> it still tastes like orange. Have to do another fruit. Also, interesting though, they must have the only machine that can do that. <laughs> Somebody, but like that's amazing because like someone must have actually had to invent the machine yeah, that made, made in the second. And even in the middle, they have like a core, like the, the pith. stalk. Oh, the pith. The chocolate pith. The chocolate pith. The chocolate pith is the most prized part of a chocolate orange. Where it's in an actual orange, it's the bit you bin first. <laughs> it actually, it's a very meta scenario. They've taken the idea of an orange. They've really made us think about food waste. And turned they? it inside out. It really have. It's actually a lecture on sustainability. That's why it comes in a box in a box in a foil. <laughs> Owner of the chocolate orange is Sir David Attenborough. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta remember if you're gonna save the planet, eat your pith. <laughs> How have we gone this off piece? Off piece already. Off piece. Clip and we just play at the beginning. I was just like wailing. <laughs> that's yeah. <laughs> the lesser known fact is David Attenborough's middle name is actually Terry. Terry. David Terry Attenborough. <laughs> and his chocolate orange. There's a lesson in sustainability for us all. <laughs> Okay, let's move on to our second section of the podcast, which is going to be food news. So we're going to tell each other, we're going to keep, we've kept secret from each other some bits of food news that have really like tickled our fancy Mm -hmm. this week. And then we've got a piece of food news which caught both of our eyes that we're going to discuss because it's truly horrific. Yeah. Yeah. Should we, should we intro with that? Should we start with a truly horrific piece of news? Yeah. Okay. Should I start? Actually, shall I intro the piece of horrific food news by introing the tab, by reading the piece, the tab article's introduction to it? Mm-hmm. Okay. This is an article by Izzy Schifano, and the title is, For some reason, Morrison's is selling sacks of wet eggs, and I found out why. I want to be sick on the floor. Last night, I was scrolling through Twitter when my life changed forever when I read the words... My local Morrison's is selling actual sacks of wet eggs. I clicked on the photo, blissfully unaware of the horror I was about to be greeted with. My eyes burned, I gagged, and I felt my soul leave my body. 
and tr- like truly they are like huge bags full of a oh I don't want to say this word but like a creamy liquid oh it's really bad but it looks really bad I I, I personally would describe it as more of a brine but it's like it's look at the color it's creamy and like opaque I think that's just from the volume of eggs squished together okay let's give them the benefit let's give the eggs the benefit we need to look at that egg water to confirm we we should get some send samples to the labs (laughs) but it is like a huge bag like almost the size of like an like a news agent's like carrier bag that they give you for your bottle of vodka and your lighter and your minstrels mm-hmm. um admittedly i hate peeling eggs and i don't think i would stoop this low but i can understand for someone who just has that little bit less of dignity <laughs> little bit less dignity i'm dead <laughs> my no 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 like potentially though it could be something quite difficult to do for yourself oh yeah that's true yeah no 100 percent. i'm not like I think there's definitely a place for buying a boiled egg. However, it's the volume, isn't it? It's the volume it's that the makes volume it. Volume and the fact that so the fact it's literally called sack of wet eggs, as in that's what it says on the like yes. the shell on the product. Yes, on the product. And should we talk about the placement of it? Because mm-hmm. again, Izzy does in the article. It's in the food to go section <laughs> next to the BLTs. Like it's there in the mains, and they're a pound. For all those eggs. A pound for all those eggs. And it says it contains five eggs. It doesn't. We're pushing 35. <laughs> honestly, honestly, I can, at a blink of an eye, that's more than five eggs. Oh, yeah. If you had to do like the classic Darren um, Brown quick maths thing, I, I was going to say, uh, like, guess how many sweets in the jar, <laughs> but whatever that is for sure yes Darren Brown does this thing with he can say he can guess the number of buttons on a tray just by looking at it of course he can because he's Darren Brown I'm sure magic I'm sure he could guess how many eggs that are in that set we should actually get Darren Brown on this because they're claiming <laughs> there's five eggs in here and actually we need to know that <laughs> this is false advertising I mean it's false advertising but to the buyer's advantage providing that you like eggs providing you like eggs it's just the fact, the way the bag would feel and move <laughs> makes me want to vomit. Like the squishy, wibbly, wobbly, na- it'd be like a bag of frog spawn, but massive. I mean, something that we've all wanted to know what would look like in our adult lives, but it's never had the courage. Never had the courage or <laughs> the conviction. Now, till someone at Morrison. Because like somebody didn't want to have two million frogs in their garden. Mm. It's it's very much like a pillowcase of eggs. You're I'd, right. That's the size. The size. Hundred percent. Like it's full of wet eggs. <laughs> okay. So when the question is, why could they not sell the eggs dry? Oxidization. Do you think they go a weird color? Probably. Yeah, that is a good question. Why Cause, wet? Because you can get a, like a single egg in a pot and prep, can't you? Yeah, but they're prepared fresh every day, famously. Oh, so do you think these are like quite dated? <laughs> <laughs> yes, what, like mullets, <laughs> <laughs> like mullets and flares. It's quite dated. <laughs> Wet eggs are so last season. <laughs> I mean, I would not eat an egg that was last season. No, I think so. The actual answer is in these Corona times, the salad bar 
predictably and quite rightly is not getting the usual volume of customers that it normally gets. a bone to pick with the salad bar. (laughs) I don't have a bone to pick with the salad bar. I have a bone to pick in general with the buffets. They're not for me. I don't like the idea of dirty hands in them. Yeah. Children touching them. Like people, now more than ever, people coughing on them. And essentially Morrison's have now, I have a Morrison's near me and the salad bar looks like the, um, looks like the intensive care unit for babies. And they've kind of like put a full plastic on it and you just stick your hand through a tiny hole. Oh, wow. To like, like, it's literally like, who in needs, like a medical needs, thing where needs, you literally stick your hand just into the baby, like a little like enclosure. Who needs pre-prepared salad that much? So this is why, this is where the eggs have come from. The eggs are not getting the attention they once deserved. So they're not getting through the volume of eggs. So rather than, I don't know, stopping buying them, they've decided to stick up, stick them out for a pound and whack them on with the ready meal, whack them on with a meal deal. Do you think that's part of the three for two meal deal? So like a BLT, what a you bottle of Coke, and then 30 wet well, eggs. Well, it's with the mains. So it'd be the bottle of Coke. Oh. Maybe a Twix. Oh, and then 30 and wet eggs. 30 wet lunch. eggs, yeah. I suppose it would be great if you went to Morrison's, like, I need to make 104 <laughs> egg and cress sandwiches for my six friends coming around. Sorry, my five <laughs> friends coming around tomorrow. So there's only six of us to sit meters apart and we only eat egg sandwiches. And then you walked into Morrison's and you saw that. You'd be like, Wow, God is really smiling on me. <laughs> it's my lucky day. It's not it's not the one for me. Mm. But I think it's an interesting um it's an interesting development from the pan- pandemic. <laughs> There's been a lot of talk about various ingenious ways that people have adapted and I think I don't know if this gets to be in in that category uh. to be honest. <laughs> No, I'm not I'm not sure that this particular type of wartime survival is what I'm it's it doesn't do it for me. Like without a doubt. No. No way. Okay, second piece of food news. Today, on first on the scene to this piece of news, it's been sent to me multiple times. <laughs> Behold, Persimus Pies, the Percy Pig Christmas treat that's perfect for anyone that doesn't like mince pies. This is on Marks and Spencer's Instagram, and I'm also reading this from the Metro. Mm-hmm. Credit where credit's due. So it's pastry with Percy Pig flavoured jam. Here's a question for you. What do you think the flavour of Percy Pig is? See, it's it's not... I don't think it's classic strawberry. It's so not. It's a bit too tart. I would go raspberry. And there's another ingredient. Rhubarb. Nope. Damn it close though Um, actually not close but i get where you're coming from okay let me just let me just think of the flavor profile (laughs) of a person let me just imagine it in my brain Mm. Um, i mean and also obviously like a metric fuck ton of additives but apart from that there are two fruits that percy pigs claims to be the flavor of banana nope uh, you'd know if it was banana I just thought because the squishiness maybe but that's no, more no, no, the, the texture fl- thing <laughs> <laughs> no, not a know, smoothie <laughs> it's not like a health flapjack <laughs> you know those sweets that are like foam bananas it's not dissimilar but that's not the banana in the banana that makes it squishy <laughs> what you think that the, you, know, you get the shrimps and the bananas you think <laughs> the, the fact that prawns are soft is what makes the, the sort of the candy shrimp so squishy yes yes okay no one more try one more fruit a grape 
It is. Oh my god, that was, that, that, was, that was. Oh my god, I was rooting for you to get that. It's yeah. it, it's a bit sharp, isn't it? It's a bit Percy. sharp. Yeah. So yeah, it's raspberry and grape flavor. That's Percy flavor. And so Percy jam is raspberry grape jam. So I'm guessing Percy jam is going to be raspberry and grape jam. And then it's cut on top of that is a Percy pig flavored sponge. So again, I'm guessing raspberry and grape flavored sponge. Mm-hmm. And then it's got light and yeah, so it's Percy pig jam, light and fluffy Percy pig sponge, and then there's a Percy icing, and the whole thing is topped with a Percy sweet. That that I think really is the perfect alternative to a mince pie. I mean, it is. It, I would argue it's the opposite of a mince pie. I was like, it is and it isn't. In the fact, there is definitely more in common with it with a bakewell tart than yeah. there is with anything to do with Christmas. It's not even a festive Percy. It's a normal Percy. But then actually, maybe the product has true longevity. Oh yes, because like, they're if releasing it, it off, for Christmas yeah. as the alternative to a mince pie. But it's bright pink. There's nothing festive about it. That's a that's a cake for every occasion. Well, indeed, this is what I mean. <laughs> I do, I think they've done really well here. Yeah, like whack out a mince pie in May, and someone will look to you like you're you've lost your mind. Yeah, <laughs> but a little Percy, a little Percy tart, a little Percy please. tart. Yeah, please. If I was them, though, I would have put the Christmas Percy on it. Yeah, that seems like an easy win. Because then in January, you can just re-release them with the normal Percy on it. Because everyone loves them. And then you're like, oh, thought they were gone. Thought they were gone. Just kidding. October, the spooky Percy. It's a winner. (laughs) Percy is such a a character of... (laughs) What? (laughs) A character of... (laughs) A character in his own right. I I was going to (laughs) say... I was going to say a character of many characters. <laughs> <laughs> but there is a Percy Pig for every occasion. Yeah. 100%. I thought I my foodie news that I've seen this week is um, an article which is from the Queen's former head chef. Love. I don't know if you've seen this. No, I haven't. So he's revealed but everything. But he's always piping up. He, I think he's he's quite chatty. Is it in the Daily Mail? Independent. Independent because he's often piping up in the Daily Mail. I'm, I'm not surprised. No, no, no. I'm, they probably have him that. on a, a regular circuit. <laughs> to be like, have oh, him on what a re- you have today? They have him on a retainer. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so he's piped up in the Independent. Um, yep, and it's uh, everything the Queen eats in a day. Former Royal Chef Darren McGrady. Yeah. He, um, he's previously spoken about her preferred drinks. Oh yeah, she likes a um that cocktail that's got red wine in it. Uh, Dubonnet. Dubonnet. Yeah. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Dubonnet. You're the French one. Ah <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, I believe it is Dubonnet. Dubonnet. Ah oui. Um, and she does like a gin and tonic and a champagne. Yes. Which we can all we can all agree with. Those Queen Mum famously didn't she keep gin, gin in her purse. Oh. Queen like, Mum. Hot sauce in my bag. Honest, honest to God, I think it was very similar to hot sauce in my bag. <laughs> I think it was like she used to keep a little bit of gin, just a little tankeray. I think it was. Oh, I may have pulled that out classy. my ass. But I feel like she kept a little bit of tankeray in her bag in case she got chilly. And also because it was what 1950, and that was so, just acceptable. So smart. Honestly, you know those girls that are like I was born in a different time. Like if that's the way it rolled <laughs> in the 50s, I actually was born in a different time. I should have been born in a different time. Like, like no, no, no. I don't need a jacket. I've got a little, <laughs> got a little, a little tiny little snifter of gin. Yeah, it's like the opposite of like a beer blanket. A, a beer blanket, a gin jacket, a gin jacket, a gin jacket. Yeah, a gin gilet. <laughs> yeah, definitely in the Queen's case, very much a gin gilet. Yes. So, um, in his fifteen-year tenure at Buckingham Palace, uh, 
he was the Queen's personal chef, accompanying her on two royal tours. Um, and he's also cooked for a lot of presidents as well. Oh, wow. So he clearly is uh, the guy to go to. So in his new book, Eating Royally, he reveals, For breakfast, she keeps things simple. HRH typically starts with a simple cup of tea and biscuits, followed by a bowl of cereal. I didn't take the Queen down as a cereal eater. Wonder what cereal? I bet it's muesli. Bran? Yeah, I, I think, or maybe even a Weetabix. I literally cannot imagine. I imagined her to eating toast and marmalade. Maybe a cornflake? But maybe. Not, definitely not, not a crunchy nut. nut no. no, not crunchy nut. Not Frosties. <laughs> a sugar puff. <laughs> Your <laughs> sugar puffs, Your Highness. <laughs> Maybe she has those little boxes like you used to take on holiday when you went on those rubbish English holidays and you think your parents could get you excited about because it was going to rain all week was taking those mixed assorted boxes I, of cereal. They were, I think they were one of the, the greatest joys of the English holiday. Getting I mean, of course it was because you're going on holiday in England. All your mates were going to like Greece and your parents were like, no, no, come on, Cornwall will be lovely. I know Boss Castle's just flooded, but we're going to have a great time. <laughs> Cornwall and a sugar puff. (laughs) Literally. It's going to rain the entire week, but you've got Frosties one day and you've got to share them with your brother so you're going to have to fight over it. That was like the source of all sibling fights. Who's having what? Mm -hmm. Bowl of cereal for lunch, uh, for breakfast. Yeah. This is before moving on to a lunch of grilled fish with wilted spinach or courgettes. Okay. She's also partial to a simple grilled chicken with salad. That's sensible. Good lunch. (laughs) Then late afternoon, the Queen will have an afternoon tea. Always has scones. Yeah. Jam and clotted cream. Yeah. And puts the jam on first. And then she would have her afternoon tea no matter where she was in the world. Yeah. Um, I'd be bored. Honestly, a scone every day. Keeps it keeps you young, clearly. Keeps the revolution away. <laughs> scone a day keeps the revolution away. <laughs> As the old Marxists say. <laughs> <laughs> wow, it's the Communist Party leader, Alexander. <laughs> <laughs> this, <laughs> your French roots are really coming out. Yeah, I'm, I'm, re- out. I'm really not sure how much of this can stay. Alexander Wright is doodling a guillotine as we speak. <laughs> I believe it's guillotine. <laughs> guillotine. <laughs> Ancestors are rolling in their graves. <sighs> and then um, for dinner, apparently she had a particular love for Morecambe Bay potted shrimp on toast. That's not dinner. That's like a starter. Mm. Well, I, I don't think she eats a lot. I think she eats lots of small meals. Yeah, I get that. Um, As you're going to have to if you're going to eat a piece of slab of fruit cake and a scone <laughs> every day at 4pm. God, that's enough to set me up. Um, interestingly, the thing that the royal chef wasn't prepared for uh, was that he also has to cook cook the meal for her 12 corgis. What do they have? One of the things that really shocked me when I got the job as the queen chef was that straight away I wasn't preparing banquets for kings, queens and presidents. I was chopping beef, liver and chicken for the queen's 12 corgis. I mean, fair. They deserve the best of the best. Also, peeling carrots for her horses at Balmoral. Surely, can I just say, the peel's good for you. It's yeah, like, I, why would to why? peel carrots for horses? Yeah. You don't peel them for Rudolph on Christmas Eve. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's good enough for Rudolph. It's good enough for a plain old horse. 
I feel like there's a children's book in here somewhere. That the horse who had too fine a taste. <laughs> All the other horses laughed at his excellent palate. <laughs> he was like, this, car- <laughs> this carrot is too refined for me. Well, I'm not surprised she eats so little, like, for the rest of the day because of the big afternoon tea. I've heard about the afternoon tea thing before. Mm. I've heard that there's, like, every day there's prepared for her. Again, this is Daily Mail hearsay. That there's, like, um, she has, like, a trolley of cakes. Oh. And that she, like, takes a slice and then everything else the staff get to eat. But you're like, I just would get sick of it. Sometimes I'd be like, can I not just have a carrot stick and hummus? Peeled, of course. <laughs> Well, what I find quite strange is that they they talk about um Christmas dinner at the Oh yeah. At the palace. And it at says Balmoral. He, it says here they get three turkeys. One for the royal family. Yeah. One for the children's nursery. Yeah. And then one for more than a hundred or so staff. How big is that turkey? It I must be the know. size of a horse. <laughs> They've been breeding it for a hundred years. Maybe it's three types of turkey. But there oh my are god, do you think do you think the staff get like the bargain bin turkey? <laughs> I think the, the staff must get a slither, a hundred staff, and th- there's one turkey to share between them. It can't be. So many people would have to have brown meat. <laughs> <laughs> but you can get big turkeys because you've ever seen those like turkey drumsticks that you yeah, can get in the supermarket. American turkeys are huge. Yeah, they're like they? dinosaurs. But um. Don't yeah. know if it'd feed a hundred people. May- maybe it was, it's the Christmas miracle performed every year at... by the chef. Yeah, he magics up a turkey big enough, like Jesus <laughs> in the feeding of the five thousand. It's Darren Grimsby, <laughs> or whatever his name is, and the feeding of and the turkey of a hundred star. <laughs> the less successful follow up <laughs> to the biblical tale. Yeah, the less the less successful chapter of the apostles is. <laughs> What was his name again? Darren. Uh, is it Darren? It, I think it's Darren McGrady. Darren McGrady. Sorry, Darren. Okay, I've got one final news story for you. It is about the sausage company, The Black Farmer. They're launching two Caribbean-inspired sausages to mark Black History Month this month, um, which I think is really cool and like really great that lots of attention has been given to black-owned businesses. So the Black Farmer is a black-owned business and sausage producer. Um, and his father, his father was one of the Windrush generation, the guy that started the company. And so it's all based on um, that. And they've got like a jerk pork flavour, which I think sounds great, and jerk chicken sausages. So the packaging features the faces of British, um, black British heroes, Mary Seacole and Lincoln Orphil Lynch. Mary Seacole was a Jamaican nurse who looked after um, British soldiers during the Crimean War. You may have learned about her in like Victorian school. Um, and Lincoln Orville Lynch was an RAF gunner during the Second World War. So they're two like famous black British people from history. I, I think it's crazy that there's more from this small company on black British history than pretty much the entire the curriculum. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty shoddy. So um yeah, this was um I saw this on Delish, so call for Delish 
great job in Delish and featuring it and finding out about it. Yeah, that's a nice and, bit of coverage. Um, I'm definitely going to su- search them out and try them because I think that sounds delicious. Yeah, I'm very much up for a, a, a chicken sausage. A jerk sausage with some like sweet potato mash. Oof. I think that sounds great. Yeah. And like so warming. Or yeah. like make it into a stew, like a spicy tomato stew with a sausage in. Mm-hmm. I think that would be great. But only £2.50 a pack. And uh, apparently they're on sale in a number of supermarkets. So we will try and... S- what's the word? I'll try and seek a pair out. Mm-hmm. And um, we'll give a review. Yeah. Yeah, sounds great. Oh, and also for the listener, we've now gone into full Sunday roast vibes and poured ourselves a delicious glass of red wine from yeah. Bordeaux. Thanks, little. Not Spawn, <laughs> but thanks very much for your delicious wine. Okay, your final piece of foodie news. So my final piece of foodie news. Um, So... Have you seen, well, you definitely have seen all the, um, every year you have so many different types of advent calendar now. 100%, yeah. You've got your beauty advent calendars and your chocolates ones. And then basically you can do anything in a advent like calendar Harry now. Haribo ones, like literally anything, gin ones. So this company um, called Vagina. No. Vagina. Have created a Christmas edible vulva advent calendar i made a fudge i would hope so vagina is the obvious link there that's niche the calendar has milk white and chocolate sweets made from belgian chocolate wow so uh, i mean vagina is a bit of a how are you spelling vagina fudge ina oh wow okay can i just say why i think that's niche Mm-hmm. Because fudge is not everyone's cup of tea. <laughs> I mean, it's not. No, eating a bit of fudge every day is probably reserved to the Venn diagram of people who don't want to have teeth <laughs> in their fifties. Yeah, and I was going to say who definitely don't want a vagina advent calendar. Yeah, I mean, t- eating a piece of fudge every day is very national trust, isn't it? It's very like, I go to a different country house every weekend. It's fudge, fu- like, because that's the, I actually think a Venn diagram of people that want a vagina advent calendar and people that want a fudge advent calendar, I don't think there's that much intersection. No, I Yeah, no, that I, that is why I assume they've gone for Belgian chocolate instead. But then the name is so... I, I'm assuming this company makes other... Fudge-based products. Or, or vagina-based products. Yeah. Goods of that ilk. Goods of that ilk. Edible genitalia. Yeah. Um, so, this is an article in the Metro. Written by Jessica Lindsay. And she says, We asked Vagina where the inspiration for this unique product came from. Mm-hmm. And their spokesperson told us, I saw you could send dicks and basically everything else you could ever want in the post but never a vulva or vagina. So I thought, why don't I make it? Oh. <laughs> what do you mean? Ev- you can send everything else you've ever wanted in the post. I'm, I'm assuming she means in chocolate. I, I was going to say like a, a horse. <laughs> like, you can send it, but your large letter stamp's going to be massive. What? Yeah. Also, I feel like chocolate vaginas are a thing. In fact, I've had one. <laughs> <laughs> and it all comes out now two sips of wine no 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 I've had one my friend bought me one back from Amsterdam it didn't come in the post to be fair though 
I think that it's probably more of a quantity thing here. You want 24. Yeah. In, in on consecutive days. I, I like this little, little quote from the per- I'd spoke love, person. Yeah, go on. Over lockdown, we've seen a huge increase in couples separated, buying it for each other. You can imagine some of the messages that go with them. Again, what does this have to do with Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> Most wonderful time of the year. <laughs> for a vagina. Do you, yeah. Is it personalised? Um, it's not moulded on yourself, surely. That would be astronomically priced. Yeah, it, to get 24 of them, it, yeah, I feel like their overheads would be huge. Unsustainable. Huge. Um, That's an expensive gift. So that, that rounds up foodie news. That rounds up our foodie news. Um, we'll put links in the show notes about everything we've talked about, sarcastic or not sarcastic. Yep. Um, Cop yourself. Yeah, and also you could, um, if you've got great foodie news, um, send it to us on Instagram or on Twitter. So what are you roasting this week, Cara? Okay, this week I'm roasting garlic powder or garlic granules or garlic salt. The whole shebang. Garlic salt is very um, Guy Fieri, isn't it? So, I am sick of it. I am sick of it. And I personally blame TikTok for this. And I, I'm going to put it out there. I kind of blame Americans for it. One, actual garlic exists. Why are we just buying garlic powder? Actual garlic exists. I think it's probably because the sheer volume that people want to season with. It's, you, can, you can easily cover like a whole dish in garlic powder but covering it in chopped garlic yeah okay here's comes on to my second point you don't need to cover a whole dish in garlic <laughs> you don't you don't need you don't need it you don't need four tablespoons of garlic granules in something it's unnecessary what's what's your preferred garlic ratio like one meal for yourself how many cloves are going in to me it comp- completely depends on what you're cooking like no 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 you must pick it no no i refuse a point blank refuse this is my line a hard boundary i won't cross it some things should be garlicky here is my gripe with tiktok cooking everybody thinks that good cooking is just putting a load of garlic powder in things that does not make it flavorful it makes it garlicky that is not good cooking that just makes your food garlicky there are other flavors what are granules hmm granules is not a good word because it's not a great thing yeah i don't think i don't think granules the predecessor to like delicious yeah yeah i agree no one has ever like ah the granules really made this dinner the granules made it zing (laughs) they made it zing the granules gave it a little spicy spicy yeah is there any tiktok cooking that you do approve of i am obsessed with the gordon ramsay reacts things oh yeah and i saw a man cook steaks on the grill and then cover them in mashed potato and stack them up like a steak cake oh do you see what i mean so it was like the icing was mash oh and then he sliced them and gordon ramsay fair he was just going that mash is cold (laughs) and i was like it is cold that's grim and then he made bacon roses and adorned it with and he was like if this isn't at my wedding I'll be single forever or whatever he said. Like, it was just like... Said the man staring down the barrel of singledom forever. Honest to God, the truth. Um, But I was just like, no. I I think though, like sort of those reveals where you 
you see like the speeded up icing of the cake and then cutting through the middle and you see yeah. what's inside like that's that's someone who's watched a lot of those videos and has gone I know how to innovate this. I know how to innovate this with meat. Man <laughs> must cook meat on fire and ice with mashed potato. I, I, I think also it's very much like a product of fragile masculinity. Like 100%. icing and cake. Oh. <laughs> how would you feel being presented with a bouquet of bacon roses? Do you know what? Not as bad as I'd like to let on. <laughs> um, depends if they were fresh or not. And it depends who was giving them to me. <laughs> bacon well, rose from a stranger? Bacon rose from a stranger. Hard no. Bacon, bacon rose, rose from a loved one from a loved one uh, i'd be open to it <laughs> i've had worse presents i've had worse gifts truly have um i really want to know what was worse than a bacon rose i'll tell you off i'll tell you off tape <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah so that's my thing people if you're not sure how to get rid of garlic granules please dm me i will i will help you wean yourself off them there's a 12-step program we're gonna get through it we're gonna get ourselves off it and get ourselves into using real actual life garlic alexander what are you roasting this week i'm i'm going for a more um generic roast this week which is the 10 p.m rule oh yeah go on hit me i mean hit me with this 10 p.m rule obviously um, I'm I'm not against anything that is going to stop the panny D. Stop the panny D. Yeah. And, and anything that's going to bring case numbers down and all the rest of it. But mm. it is the equivalent of the lights being turned on at the end of the night. It's the least sexy thing that's ever happened to us. Oh, it's it's such a vibe killer. It's if anyone was in any doubt about whether the British are an unsexy people, <laughs> the 10 p.m. rule is the living proof. The thing I don't really understand with it. Is like when everything because before when people places were just open to when they were open to, like restaurants were open till eleven, like some places were only open till ten, pubs were open till twelve, bars maybe open till one on the weekends. So like people went home at different times. Yeah. Whereas now the pictures of like London, there's like a mass exodus at ten PM. Yeah, surely and the tubes are rammed. Yeah, surely it's creating more of a, a bottleneck by everything having to close at ten on the dot. Yeah, because at least if you're in pubs, like or you're in like establishments, not everyone is going to be there until the the last the bitter till, end. Till but the bitter at least end. whilst they're there, they are socially distanced. But as soon as you let everybody into the street like cattle, yeah, they're just like ramming each other on the way to get home to but go home. It's also so i mean like the restaurant the food industry is on food and drink industry on its knees yeah and it's just so just another thing that it's like really making it as hard as possible for people to get back on their feet or just survive even yeah 100 percent. it like they let like they brought back all the restaurants so people could like unfurlough all the staff and now like people's shifts have been cut four hours short people get paid by the hour how Mm. they're gonna afford their rent and stuff i've seen Another article where a takeaway was fined a thousand pounds for serving a customer four minutes after the ten pm curfew in person. Yeah, a thousand pounds. Yeah, that's a lot. I hope it was like. Do you remember when Beyonce got that Nando's order and it was like thirteen grand? Hopefully it was that. (laughs) (laughs) So like cancelled out. Uh, I bet it wasn't. I bet it was just curry and chips. Yeah, I have a feeling it wasn't. That's Um, really sad. Also, the hottest tea of all that uh, the Westminster pub. Don't have to close at 10. 
Have you seen this? No. The bars, the subsidised bars within Parliament are not closing at 10pm. Wow. Somebody leaked the drinks list the other day. And like, obviously it's a subsidised bar because it's like a catering company that run it. So like, but like, it's honestly, it's like £2.50 a pint in Westminster with all those richy rich gammon men. That's so shocking. And um, they don't have to close at 12. They don't have to close at 10. They can close whenever they want. Wow. I mean, that really is pointing with one hand and... Doing what with the other? Uh, drinking your <laughs> drinking your pint drinking with the your other. subsidised government. Glenfiddich or like <laughs> some, actually that's not even a posh whiskey. Um, <laughs> drinking your subsidised Dubonnet. <laughs> if you're like, it's very yeah, it's the it's the ultimate hypocrisy, isn't it? Okay, well I think those are two pretty solid roasts. Yeah, we've got one macro problem and one micro problem. <laughs> that brings us to the end of this week's episode of Sunday Roast. Yep, you've had our news, you've had our views, and finally, the thing that we think deserves a real good roasting. If you have anything that you'd like to see roasted, or any foodie news that you think is worth talking about, send it in to us at Dofdemi. That's D-A-U-P-H-D-E-M-I on Instagram or Twitter. Yep, uh, yeah, we'd love to hear from you, and otherwise, we will do a cheers, because it's the end of the week, we've all made it. <laughs> and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.